Are you ready for the word? All right, cool. Uh, Grab your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. As always, I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Word of God, and I'm going to read verses 11 and 12. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. I'm going to encourage you this morning not to rely on the screen for the scriptures alone. They will put it up there, but to follow me in your word, whether that's a physical Bible or your phone, to really get the fullness of what I want to share with you this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to be reading verses 11 to 12, and it reads as follows. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Amen. I want to begin this morning by asking you a question. It's not a rhetorical question. So I would love for you, please, to... um, Actually, Femi, you can help me out. (laughs) Being roped in. I'm going to ask you a question. It's not a rhetorical question. I'd love for you to actually answer the question. There is no right or wrong per se. Just shout out what you feel might be the right answer. And you can write it on this side for me, please. So my question to you this morning is, what do you believe is the role of a pastor? What is the role of a pastor? What is their responsibility? What should they be doing? As the pastor of this church, what is my role? What should I be doing? And I'd love for you to shout it out, yep. And as they shout it out, just jot it down there. You can just scribble, it doesn't have to be neat. We're not judging your handwriting. We know you sing, not right. But um, yeah, go for it. To guide the sheep, thank you. You can just abbreviate, yeah, guide sheep. Anyone else, feel free to, to shout it out. Equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So we just put equipping, okay. Yes. To counsel. You, got, you know you've got to be a bit quicker, yeah, because I'm on the clock. Okay. So, uh, to lead. To lead. Okay, so we've got guide sheep, equipping saints to give counsel. To lead. To pray for the sheep. Yep. Bring the vision. So vision. Edification. Okay. Anyone else? Yep. To hear from God and communicate. I don't know how you're going to abbreviate that one. Hear from, to hear and, yeah. If there's any comments online, please let us know. Please go ahead and let me know as well for those of you watching online. And we'll put that on the board. Stewardship. We have a quip already. Okay. Yep. Okay. Any more? Be an example. Almost running out of space. I'll take one more. Shepherd the sheep, we got that. Any one more? Anyone else? To raise up leaders. Thank you very much, Femi. Don't go anywhere just yet. Thank you. So we've got a whole load of things here. Guide sheep, equip saints, pray for the sheep, edify, um, 
be an example and to raise leaders. My second question to you, which again, I would love for you to shout out the answer is, what is your role and responsibility as church members? <laughs> to pray for leadership. Yeah. So pray, I just put pray. Yeah. Serve. Give. Give. Learn, and Learn and grow. More or less learn and grow, develop. Evangelize. Don't worry about that. That's cool. Fellowship with one another. Sorry? To be a family. Okay. To pray. Yeah, we've got pray up there. To build. To share, evangelize, yeah. Okay. To be charitable and, and hospitable. Thank you very much, Femi. Now, you may take your seat. Let's appreciate Femi. I found it quite interesting that when I asked the first question, the answers were flowing. They were flowing. But when I asked the second question, there was an air of silence as people took their time to give me a response. And typically in life, if we're being honest, we're very good at knowing the role of others compared to what we should be doing. Whether that's within a church, whether that's within a friendship, whether that's in a relationship, whether that's within a marriage, we're very good at pointing the finger in terms of our expectations and what others should be doing, but very slow to take time to understand actually our role in a particular thing and as we celebrate seven years as a church there's something I wanted to do over the next couple of weeks with us as a church and that was to take time to actually readdress why we do church what we're doing when we come here on a Sunday and I think it's important because sometimes you can get carried away in your Christian walk of being in a routine that you don't actually stop to think about what you're doing and what part you're playing in the kingdom and as we celebrate seven years as a church, I thought, actually, as I was praying and as, as we had our prayer and fasting week, how was prayer and fasting week, by the way? Did you enjoy it? Was it good? Fantastic. As I was praying, I was just led to encourage us to think about, again, the roles that we are expected to play within the body of Christ so that we don't end up just coming to church where we should be the church. So we don't just end up coming to church where we should be building God's kingdom and I think it's important that we readdress this as I mentioned just a moment ago so that we don't just get carried away of doing things because that's the way they've been done I come to church because I've grown up going to church on a Sunday because let me tell you there are people who are tired of church there are people who are tired of routine there are people who are questioning where is this power of God that you talk about I had a phone call with someone this week and they said I'm readdressing my whole doctrine they said, that they don't attend this church. They said that the church they go to, they said, we had 30 days of prayer and fasting in January. And he said, with everything that happened after our time of prayer and fasting, it made me question, during that whole time when the whole church were praying and fasting, didn't anybody hear from God as to what was to come? Like, if we're praying and waiting on God, what is going on? 
he started asking questions like, how is it that we went through this time of prayer and fasting as a church, but when he spoke to people after the time of prayer and fasting, they seemed to be a little bit fearful about certain things. And he couldn't understand it because, you see, in that church, they would bind demons. They would cast out demons. They would talk about the power of God. So he couldn't comprehend how certain things were causing them to be fearful if they are as powerful in Christ as they proclaim to be. And people are getting tired of the routine of just coming to church and not actually being a part of the church or seeing change in the church and in the community. And I think it's important that we take time to readdress our role. And so over the next couple of weeks, if I was to name it under a series, I would entitle it Our Role. But today I want to start by talking to you about the role of a pastor. I want to talk to you about my role so that it is clear. Now, before you switch off and think, well, this is about the role of a pastor and I'm not a pastor, I think it's very important for you to follow along the things that I'm going to share with you today so that you can learn from what I'm going to share with you this morning, okay? So, I want to talk about the role of a pastor. I want to talk about my role here at the Cornerstone Church. And I I want to begin by saying that one of the biggest misconceptions that a a lot of believers, a lot of Christians, especially people I've spoken to have, is that the pastor is supposed to do the work of the ministry. That is one of the biggest misconceptions that a lot of believers have. But actually, if you look at that scripture again, in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, it says, He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So one of the biggest misconceptions is that the pastor is supposed to do the ministry, whereas actually they are not. They are supposed to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Now the scripture tells us he, speaking of Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. They all do the same thing in different ways. They all have the same goal but in different ways. And my role or that role of a pastor is to spot the gifts in you, facilitate your growth in those gifts so that you can use those gifts to do the work of the ministry. Now, one of the biggest challenges that we have in churches, especially in churches within particular cultures that we have grown up in, is that they have relied on one person to do the work of the ministry. It is the pastor who does all the preaching, It is the pastor that does all the counselling. It is the pastor that does all the mentoring. It is the pastor that does all the weddings. It is the pastor that does all the baby dedications and so on and so forth. But actually, that was not how it was supposed to be or is supposed to be biblically. It's not feasible and neither is it biblical. And Jethro helped Moses understand this. And he helped him understand it, not just for the benefit of Moses, but for the benefit of each and every one of us as we do church in this day and age. And so I want you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 18, where we're going to sit for a while. And we're going to look at the advice that Jethro gives to his son-in-law, Moses. Exodus chapter 18. Have you found it? We're going to read from verse 13 onwards it says and so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people 
And the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. So when Moses, when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, what is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a difficulty, they come to me and I judge between one and another and I make known the statues of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Stand before God and the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Verse 21. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure. And all these people will also go to their place in peace. Verse 24. So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people. Rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties and rulers of ten. So they judged the people at all times, the hard cases they brought to Moses, but they judged every small case themselves. Amen. From this scripture, we see Jephro giving clear advice to Moses on what will happen if he tries to do all of the work of the ministry by himself. And he gives him a system to counteract this. Now, I want you to notice something that Jephro says to Moses. He says, if you continue like this, you will wear yourselves out and the people. Now, I highlight that because you would have think that if Moses was doing all the work, surely it would just be him that would be worn out, right? But Jephro says, actually, it is not good for you and the people if you alone do all the work. This is not good for you. It is also not good for them. He then goes on to say that you should appoint able men. Some versions say leaders, people who will take care of the thousands, the hundreds, the fifties and the tens. Jephro gives him a system that will work not just with the larger churches in the thousands, but the smaller churches in the tens as well. He gives him a system that works for every church, irrespective of the size of their church. And he says the small matters they can judge amongst themselves, the bigger matters they can bring to you. This is a system that we try to implement here at the Cornerstone Church. This is why if you have a particular idea or something is on your heart or mind, we ask you firstly to take it to your team coordinator, who in turn will take it to a pastor and who in turn will bring it to me if needs be. That's the system that we try to implement here. But yet with that, you'll be surprised in churches across the nation today, the amount of people who feel the need to go straight to the pastor with any and every issue. 
You'd be surprised today at how many people expect their pastor to do everything for them. The pastor has to do my wedding. The pastor has to do my baby dedication. They have to be at my birthday celebration. They have to be at every occasion. Whereas actually, no, the pastor is there to equip people that they can send to do those things. Now, I get that it can be hard for people when they've grown up in the church, when they've been with the church for five years, for seven years, when they've been there from day one, and it's not the pastor that's visiting them at home, and it's not the pastor that's visiting or praying for their loved one in a hospital. I understand that, but please hear me clearly, because I'm going to say something that I've said before that I'm going to say again. It is not my job as a pastor or the role of a pastor to care for everyone. Did you hear what I said? It is not the role of a pastor to care for everyone. It is the role of the pastor to make sure that everyone is cared for by someone. Are you with me? It is not the role of the pastor to know every name. It's not going to be possible. But it is the role of the pastor to make sure that every name is known. Moses tried to do it all by himself. And the Bible says he would sit and judge the people from morning to evening. Do you know how large Moses' church was at that time? We're talking one to three million people queuing to see Moses. Can you imagine if you wanted to see pastor at that time and you went to book an appointment? Um, I'd like to see Pastor Moses, please. Yeah, sure. There's a, just a waiting list of two and a half million. You should be able to see him before 2029. Should be fine. And he sat there and he would judge all the people by himself however Moses was about to understand his role more clearly not just for his benefit but the benefit of the people and when we look at the system and structure that Jephthah helped Moses put in place we're actually able to see very clearly what the role is of a pastor when it comes to the work of the ministry and equipping people to do that and that's what I want to look at in the time that we have together so let's look at my role or the role of a pastor in more detail so my role is number one is to pray someone say pray Pray. look at verse 19 of chapter 18 it says listen now to my voice I will give you counsel and God will be with you stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God now look at that verse again okay notice what it says it doesn't say stand before the people for God That's not what it says. That's not the order. It says stand before God for the people. So before I stand here, before the people, I've got to stand before God for the people. Are you with me? My role is to take the difficulties that you have, that is on your heart, that's on your mind, to God in prayer. Before I can even stand up here and think about sharing, I have to go to God to know what to share with you it is my responsibility to pray for the leaders of this church it's my responsibility to pray for the ministries of this church it's my responsibility to say lord thank you for the praise and worship team may they continue to lead people into your presence it is my responsibility to say lord thank you for the social media team who's capturing me right now thank you for the media team who are projecting the scriptures may they project your glory to the people who will view it 
It is my role to say, Lord, thank you for the children's ministry who are downstairs raising the next generation. The Bible says, train up a child in the way that they should go and they shall not depart from it. Lord, thank you for the next generation of on-fire believers who are going to be raised up to lead the nation and their peers. That is what my responsibility is. My responsibility is to stand before God and say, Lord, thank you for the host team who welcome people who come in with weight on their shoulder, who come in with the weak challenges on their minds. Thank you that they can stand there before the people and hopefully that smile, hopefully that, and if they don't smile when you come in, just point out to them. That smile, that welcome, that hug, that high five will make the difference in their lives. Lord, thank you for the finance team who steward your finances so that we can gather here today to do what we need to do. That is my responsibility. Did I forget a team? That's prayer group. We, they pray anyway. Okay. But it's my responsibility to go before God and pray first before I stand before you. And Jephro said, stand before God for the people first, not stand before the people before you come to me. Because how many of you know that if I don't stand before God first, when I come here, you're going to hear Kunle, not God. And you didn't come here to hear Kunle. You can go onto my Instagram if you want to hear Kunle. You came here to hear God. And it's my role and responsibility to be in a place of prayer to give you what God wants to say to you and not even what I think God might want to say to you. And that's why many a times, and my wife will tell you, there's times where I think, this is what I'm preaching. And then on that Saturday night, I'm sure it happens to Pastor Emmanuel, I'm sure it happens to Hassan, the Lord says, actually, and you're like, Lord, really? Like, I was hoping to enjoy the rest of my Saturday afternoon. Now I need to go and change this because he wants to communicate what he wants to communicate. Someone say pray. Secondly, my responsibility is to teach. Someone say teach. Look at verse 20. It says, and you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. After I pray, I am to teach you. What am I to teach you? The scripture makes it very clear. I'm to teach you the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Someone say walk. Someone say work. It is my responsibility to teach you, to edify your walk, and to edify you in the work that you need to do. Let's look at those two things a little bit more, in a little bit more detail, walk and work. Walk is about character. It's about how you live for God. I have a responsibility to teach you how you are to walk and live out your Christian life according to the word of God. Now, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, very easy to remember. If you think of John 3, 16, just remember 2 Timothy 3, 16 says, all the scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That means I have a responsibility from the word of God to inspire you with the word of God and teach you doctrine, but I also have a responsibility to reproof you 
where needs be, to correct you where needs be. What does reproof mean? Reproof means to express your disapproval. I have a responsibility to express my disapproval if what you are doing is not lining up with the word of God. I have a responsibility to correct you if you are not walking according to the word of God. This is why I have to be up in your business. Not because I want to, not because being up in your business entertains me, not because knowing things about you gives me a high. No, I need to be up in your business to ensure that you are walking according to the word of God. So I have a responsibility and a right to be up in your business and ask you, are you tithing? Went quiet right there. Are you praying? Here's one. Who are you dating? Mm. Yes. I have a responsibility to be up in your business. And as a result of that, that means that at times I'm going to have to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And that might not be what you want to hear. And this is why it's important that we are teachable. Because if Moses wasn't teachable, he wouldn't have adopted this system that Jethro gave him and it would have been to his demise and the demise of the people. The question is, are you teachable to change when a father figure comes into your life to help you do things properly according to the word of God? Ask the person next to you, are you teachable? So that's talking about walk. What does it mean when it says work? Teach them how to walk. Teach them the work they should do. Work is in reference to ministry. Now, before you misunderstand what ministry is and you think that this alone is ministry, the word ministry just means service. It means to serve. Hence, we have ministry of justice. They're there to serve justice. Ministry just means serve, which means we all have a responsibility to serve. Okay, it means we all have a part to play. It means you are significant. And that's what we are about here at the Cornerstone Church, helping you understand your significance so you know the part that you have to play. I sat last year, year before, a couple of years ago, yeah, a couple of years ago, or maybe even three years ago, in a leadership meeting for one of the what is classed to be as one of the most powerful, growing, thriving churches in the Western world. And I was shocked when the person who leads their staff and team told me and actually said it in front of everyone there that when you come to their church, the moment you step through their door, they take you through a system. And after about two to three months, if you are not serving in a team, they actually have a list of churches that they can recommend to you to go to. They will help you find another church if you are not in the team within two to three months. In other words, their mindset is ministry is not a spectator sport. We haven't come to just sit and be fed alone all the time. We've come to build God's kingdom. If you're not willing to build God's kingdom, then what are you doing is their mindset. Maybe we need to take time to think about what we are doing and the role that we have to play. 
my responsibility is to teach you how to walk and also the work that you have to play. And then thirdly, my role after praying and after teaching is to appoint leaders. Someone say appoint leaders. Look at verse 21 of Exodus chapter 18. It says, moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of ten. Now, having read that to you in Exodus 18.21, turn with me to Numbers chapter 11. We're going to jump between Numbers and Exodus in the last few minutes we have together. And look at Numbers chapter 11 and verse 14. Moses says, I am not able to bear all these people alone because the burden is too heavy for me. Do you see that? Moses was saying, I can't do this all alone. Now today, or this week, we celebrate seven years of the Cornerstone Church. Before the Cornerstone Church, seven years ago, the Cornerstone Church was the Cornerstone Ministry. Before the Cornerstone Ministry, it was Kunle Oideji Ministries. And Kunle Oideji Ministries used to have a fellowship called Focus. And whenever that fellowship met in a hall similar like this, it was my duty and responsibility to book the hall, take my keyboard that I have at home till this day to the hall, set it up, make sure the toilets are clean, put the toilet roll in the toilets, open the door, pay the venue, lay out the refreshments. It was my duty to create the ambiance. In those days, it was tape recorders. So I put the tape in, you know, you turn it over. This is side, end of side A, you know those ones. Turn it over. I had to create the ambiance, okay? It was my responsibility to preach, receive the offering, take the offering to the bank, and do that every single time we met. I couldn't do it all alone. It wouldn't have been feasible. And it got to a point where, thankfully, people stood up and said, I want to help. In hindsight, even though I cannot do it all alone, I'm actually grateful that there was a stage I had to do it because it helps me now to identify with people who serve in the church. No one can say to me, you don't understand. I've done it all. I've been cleaner. I've been host team. I've been finance. I've been there and done it. But it wouldn't have been feasible or good for me or the people if I was to do it all alone. And so God had to send able helpers. Moses here is in a position where he says, the burden is too heavy for me. I cannot do it all alone. So look what God says to him in verses 16 and 17 of Numbers chapter 11. It says, so the Lord said to Moses, gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting that they may stand, stand there with you. Then I will come down and talk with you there. I will take off the spirit that is upon you and will put the same upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you that you may not bear it yourself alone. God said, bring a number of people into my presence. And then when you've done that, let them stand there with you. In other words, give them responsibility. Let them bear the burden with you. 
But in order for me to share the burden with those who serve in this church, in order for me to appoint and raise leaders, you have to remember that each and every one of us is on a journey. And that means that we all make mistakes. And so what I'm saying, church, is that as we move on from our seventh year and we share the burden, there will be various different people who step up into their calling, who will come and lead in various different departments and who will stand and teach. But as they are on that journey, we have a responsibility to support them because they are learning and growing and they will make mistakes. Reminds me of a pastor who went through this process in his church of raising leaders. And um, at the end of one service, he calls one of the young people to come up and announce to the church that the young people will not be meeting for service next week. This is the pastor's way of helping this young man develop. He is very nervous to get up in front of this large church and speak to the congregation. So before he is asked to do any preaching or teaching or the like, he's just asked to come up and share this announcement. So this young person walks up, and there are thousands of people in this church, thousands of people watching online, and he says, Church, just want to let you know that the young people will not be having sex next week. That's what he said. He was so nervous, he messed up his words big time and so the pastor had to get up to do another announcement after the announcement to say what he meant to say was that the young people are not having service next week I can assure you that they are abstaining don't worry parents and he had to correct the whole situation now the thing is at that time it might have seemed very harsh but actually when the pastor looked back he was able to laugh on it because the reality is we all get nervous and we all make mistakes. There are times where I have gone back and listened to some of the sermons I've preached over the seven years and cringed. Did I really say that? Did I really share that like that? But then I have to remember I'm on a journey and I'm still learning. And so if we're going to appoint, if I'm going to appoint leaders and we're going to encourage these leaders, we have to make room for them to make mistakes and not shoot their gift down because of a mistake. I can't tell you how many, I do not swear, but I can't tell you how many times I am fearful of the fact that one day I'll be preaching and out of nowhere, it's just going to come out. I cannot tell you. I don't know how. Trust me, I will not be under the anointing if that happens. But we have to allow people to make their mistakes and go up to them and say, actually, when you quoted that scripture, it was from this scripture, as opposed to saying heresy. As opposed to saying that person is not doing this. Wouldn't it be better if we can correct people out of love and help them develop in their gifts so that we can have more people step in to what God has called them to do in confidence? Lastly, as I get ready to close and Femi can come, I want to take a couple of more minutes to tell you one thing that I have a responsibility to do before I pray, before I teach, before I appoint leaders. I have a responsibility to be an example, as we heard earlier, to my family first and then to you. I have a responsibility 
to be an example to my family first and then to you. Should I say it again? I have a responsibility to my family first and then to you. And it's important that you know this. Look at Exodus chapter 18 and verse 2. It says, Then Jephro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back. I want you to look at it again. Then Jephro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he, Moses, had sent her back. You see, before Jephro advised Moses on how to pastor and lead the people, what we don't see is that Moses actually had a fight with his wife and he sends his wife back home. And you can read more about that fight. In fact, if you look at verse 20 of Exodus chapter 4, it says, Then Moses took his wife and his sons and set them on a donkey, and he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the word of God in his hand. He had an argument with his wife. He sends his wife back and he goes on to Egypt himself. Why does he have a fight? Look at Exodus chapter 4 and verse 24. It says, And it came to pass on the way at the encampment that the Lord met him, this is speaking of Moses, and sought to kill him. God sought to kill Moses. Then in verse 25 it says, Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, Surely you are a husband of blood to me. So he let him go. Then she said, You are a husband of blood because of the circumcision. This is the fight they were having when Moses decides to send her back. Why is Zipporah so upset with her husband Moses? Why did God seek to kill Moses? Well, you see, at this time, circumcision represented salvation. And God wanted Moses to reinstall, reinstall the practice of circumcision to the children of Israel who had been in slavery for over 400 years. Circumcision meant salvation. And God was saying to Moses, that's what I want you to bring back. I want you to bring back circumcision. And God sought to kill Moses on his way because Moses was about to go and preach to millions of people about something he hadn't done in his own home. So much so that his wife, Zipporah, had to take the son and circumcise him for herself and said, you are a husband of blood. In other words, you are not, pre you're not practicing what you're preaching and it's going to affect our family. And this is what they had an argument about that he sent her back. And because Moses sent her back and his sons, his family were not with him in, most, in the most pivotal points of his ministry. His family were not with him when, he, when water turned to blood. His family were not with him when they parted the Red Sea. His family were not with him through the 10 plagues. And not just that, his sons never made it to the promised land because he went to go and do something that he wasn't living out in his own home. I don't know about you, but I do not want to preach to others and be a castaway myself. I don't want to preach to others and my own family suffer. And so I haven't 
responsibility as part of my duty to be an example to live out what I preach. Thankfully, in the New Testament covenant, when we make mistakes, God doesn't strike us down dead or none of us would be here today, just the camera streaming live. He forgives us of our sins. So being an example doesn't mean perfection. What it means is that I do not be a hypocrite towards you. And we have a responsibility to understand that we are all striving to live out the word of God. And I have a responsibility and I want you to know it. That it's my responsibility to be an example to my family first before you. So that if I'm not an example in my home, I don't come and stand here and tell you how to run your home. Are you with me? But I've got a responsibility to be an example. Look at Numbers chapter 11 verse 15 very quickly. After Moses said this burden is too much for me, he said, if you treat me like this, please kill me here and now. If I found favor in your sight, God, if you love me, just kill me. Moses is saying, if this is how life is going to be and I have to bear the burden alone, I'm not on it. I do not want it. It is then that God steps in and says, appoint able people. I highlight that verse to you as we close because as I was meditating on what I was going to share with you this morning, I started to think about how people had lost their way in the word of God. And in most occasions, it was because of tiredness and it was because of bearing the burden alone. I started to think about people like David and Bathsheba. And I thought, why is it that David did not go out to war in the springtime? Why is it that he chose to stay at home? And then I go back to the beginning of Samuel and I look at David's life. This guy is running. He's fighting. He's fleeing. He's hiding. He's running. He's fighting. He's fleeing. By the time we get to that chapter, the guy is probably exhausted of fighting of running, that he's burnt out. And I started to think about Moses and realize that actually a lot of times when people lose their way, it's because they're tired or they're carrying the burden alone. So that means that in order for me to pray for you first, to hear God for you, to teach you and appoint people, it is important that I do not bear the burden alone. It's important that I'm an example to you in order that we can all go in the right direction according to the word of God. But how many of you know that if I'm bearing the burden alone, it's not going to be good for me and it's not going to be good for us. And so if I can borrow you two actually very quickly, I want you to think about it like this. It is my responsibility to appoint and raise leaders, but to be an example in my home first. In order for me to do that, I need people who will take the burden. So people like Hassan as a team coordinator step in to play his part to take the burden off me. But he is also a married man and he has a family and he wants to be an example in his home first right? Cool. Let's make sure. So in order for him to do that, he needs people that can take the burden from him. But guess what? Felix is also a married man who has a family and who has kids. Right, Doreen? Is that correct? Cool. 
So he needs someone to help him take the burden. We all need to bear the burden together. But guess what? If he has no one, he's going to say, this is getting too tiring for me. I need to step out. Which makes it more work for Hassan. And when it's more work for Hassan, you know what Hassan's going to say? This is too much for me. Then it's going to come back to me. And as we go through this series, I'm going to show you why it is not good, as Jephro said to Moses, not just for me, but for you. If one person or just a select handful of people are bearing the burden of the work where we should all be playing our part. And this is why, thank you very much, guys. I want to take the opportunity to say thank you to every team coordinator and to every single person who serves in this church to build God's kingdom. And I think we should give them a hand this morning as we celebrate seven years. Amen. Church, would you rise to your feet? Would you take a moment right now just to bow your heads and say, Lord, thank you for helping me to understand the role of pastors. Now speak to me, Lord, about where I can bear the burden. Speak to me about the gifts that you've placed in my heart, the gifts that you've placed in my life, that I may go forward and step in to those things that you have called me to step into, that I may not be a spectator because this is not a spectator sport. You have given me gifts to build your people, to build your kingdom. So help me, Lord, that I may carry my share, that my leaders will not falter, they will not fail, they will not drown. But as a body, we will stand up and play our part so that we can ultimately see souls come to you. That is why we do what we do, Lord. We want to see hearts changed for you. We want to see lives saved for you. So help me, Lord, to know my purpose, the plan you have given me, the thing you have called me for and to, so that I may play my part in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. We've come to the end.